Hello, everybody, and welcome to Recovery Machine. We're back today. Very hot outside, Corey. So uh, you're done work for the day. I am. I'm off work for the day. We're going to hide hide inside in the AC and yep. uh, try a different segment. So the idea here is it's something we've been thinking about and talking about for a little while, and that's making positive changes to the way the machine works. How could we, if we had the power, what would we do to make changes that would make the process better for everybody yeah. with hopefully more positive outcomes? And uh, the idea would be, uh, you know, put a little bit of weight towards preventative measures mm-hmm. and then uh, and make a few. We, we, we've got quite a few ideas about it. Um, so we're going to start with a few today and we'll we'll do We'll go piece by piece. And I'd really, in, for the people who are watching on YouTube, um, if you're familiar with this material, we would really like your opinion because this is, you know, we got two different uh, perspectives here, but more perspectives are better. And I know, you know, we talk about this a lot in Obsidian you know, what improvements can be made. And, and we also talk about uh, the negative stuff, but mm-hmm. if we could get more input on, on your thoughts on what we go over today, that would be fantastic. And what else was it? Uh, we need a name for this segment. So if you guys are feeling creative, uh, after you've listened to things a little bit, put your suggestion for a name for this segment down in the comments or shoot us an email. If you, if you're, listening by audio and uh, we'll pick the best one and do something special for you. Yeah. So I guess we'll get going here. What's the first one you got there, Corey? Uh, So maybe we'll start with, I was just looking at some of our options of which ones to start with. Maybe we start with the, the insurance company one uh, about the push, the push for, for individuals to go back. Right. Um, and that the push is, is highly motivated by the cost that is, you know, accruing by the day for the various insurance companies that are involved in, in one's case. And when that is the driving factor for an individual getting back to work or the driving factor of, of what is pushing the individual to get back to work, um, that's a lot to be up against. And it's not necessarily rooted in what is healthiest for the individual, what is best for the individual. It's, it's a reasonable goal if you are an insurance company mm-hmm. or if you're just, uh, you know, not necessarily an insurance company that's, that uh, looks at, at workers, but even just sort of health insurance. We want to get people back to where they were and into the functional ability that they once had, regardless of where they're working. But we want to bring it back to the individual a little bit. So the question is how to, how to fight against that a little bit how to, how to, how to create some balance maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, uh, we know that some insurance companies uh, actually get bonuses for getting uh, workers back earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, f- well, there's a couple things that we should start with. Uh, one is for pharmacists, dentists, um, there are, 
professions that don't, they're not going to deal with this as much. I mean, maybe they have, if you have third-party insurance, you you might see this. But in my case, uh, I was paying out of pocket for the whole thing. I still faced pressure because of the nature of the the machine as a, it's very much a process. So the idea is not to question whether or not you're going back, it's how soon you can go back. So I think uh, whether or not you have insurance, we need to sort of take the onus off automatically assuming that that person needs to get back to where they were. That might not be the best thing for them. So I think if, if we started during that independent medical evaluation, or even before that, when, when contact is made with your uh, college or employer or whatever, there, there should be a statement about not being, you know, not feeling like you have to return and maybe putting that kind of a decision off until you're, you're, you've kind of got your recovery figured out, which is, I mean, really, you can't make a good decision until you've kind of got your feet back on the ground and you're, you're through the process of at least addressing the whatever uh, addiction problem you've got. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if we could make people aware, because often they're not aware at all, they just, they're in a very vulnerable, compliant situ- uh, state when they go in. And the, the, the first few interactions are usually just the healthcare worker saying, yes, I'll do whatever it takes to get through this and mm-hmm. I'll sign whatever. And no mention is ever made of uh, how long you're going to be off work, when you're going to go back. If you're, you know, as far as, well, it's, I guess a statement is usually made before you're sent to treatment. And, and that statement is, well, don't worry, we'll get you back to work as soon as possible. But uh, I think it might be better to start off with something like, let's uh, take care of, of treatment first. Let's focus on your recovery. And then uh, after some time has passed, we're going to, you know, uh, look at your case with a, with a few people who have the qualifications to provide professional input, and we're going to see how you're you're feeling about it. And if you want to go back, that'll be an option. If you don't, well, there's other options too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of the default setting being, let's get you back to work. So, do you think it's most? What is the most just approach to the payment? of the physicians who are doing the assessment. So all of, all of these insurance companies rely on a physician who's doing the independent medical examination, the physicians and staff who are filling out the reports um, for a treatment program. They are paid by the insurance companies. Those fees are, are paid by the insurance companies. There's some, to me, there's, it seems like there's an inherent conflict there that if it, Anytime a, a physician is being paid by an insurance company whose interest is getting getting an individual back, that there there's potential there. Now, I don't feel like I had I was mistreated. I felt like I had a a physician um, who who was very even handed and fair and made the decisions that she felt were were right. And I agreed with virtually all of the decisions that she made. I would say, mm-hmm. but there there seems to be just a, a an issue there if if the insurance company is paying a physician to then make the decision about someone going back to work. So now that's costly. We're talking about what it, have you, I think you've said it before, Nathan, about $1,500 for a independent medical examination. Yeah. Uh, somewhere around there since the last time I checked, depending on doctor to doctor. 
it's a lot to ask a, a, a nurse or someone who's now off work to, to pay out of pocket, but is there an alternative maybe? Well, you bring up the insurance company issue. There's the way the, the system is set up, I think it does a disservice to the physician and the, the patient because the, honestly, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, they might have the paperwork. They might say that they spent a certain amount of time, you know, looking at your, whatever they require, like the DSM five reports, there's different assessments they use the, they take your vitals, all this type of stuff. But I, I, to, to provide a real assessment by somebody who's, who's an expert at it and is not just in it to be a production facility, because I understand why doctors kind of get into that. They want to push patients through fast because the fees are so low for, you know, what they're getting from the government to do that procedure actually in the whole field of addiction is we're not paying those physicians enough. Mm -hmm. So what happens is it puts pressure on them to process more patients faster to try and, you know, battle off their overhead and the fees associated with everything. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big initial problem to start with because you're putting a physician in a, in a position where they're, they're basically going to have to choose between proper patient care and paying the bills. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then there's extreme ends of either, you know, either end of that spectrum where you've got uh, like, I think there's a physician up North who was caught doing a, uh, they figured he would have had to have been awake for 14 days straight or something to, to process the number of methadone patients that were seen in this clinic or, yeah. you know, it's, so it, there's this push to, to turn it into a full scale production facility. Uh, but there's also a few physicians out there who are willing to make less just to do a better job. So I, I think it, it probably from, from that respect, if we're just going to talk about the IME there, I think if, if the government paid those physicians a little more money, maybe, yeah, I don't know how much more it would take, but it would bring up the level of talent and it would, it would give people a reason. It would give physicians a reason to, to justify the time they're spending with patients. And you know what, an assessment, a proper assessment like that is uh, it requires time and, you know, you need certain certificate uh, certifications. I would like to see kind of, uh, I, I think there's, the way it's set up now, there could be, you know, better requirements than there than are currently mm -hmm. available. Maybe, you know, we wouldn't see the, the, like, we know there's a problem with conflicts of interest in, in physicians. Well, they're, they're starting to crack down on this finally, but we see physicians who would uh, be part owners of monitoring companies. And then, you know, there's another incentive for them to, instead of saying, well, you know what, you're, kind of on the, on the line here. I think maybe uh, we're not going to send you to treatment. We're going to uh, try and tackle this out, you know, as an outpatient, we're just going to take some time off work. Here's what I suggest you do. So they're not put in a monitoring contract and there goes a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Whereas if, if that physician owns, has any vested interest in a monitoring company, then they're going to want to, you know, it's going to be, Oh, that's a lot of money I'm throwing away if they don't send you to treatment. Right. Yeah. And then there's the rumors of the, uh, the actual kickbacks from facilities that 
this is something I've heard from numerous people, but I have no evidence to suggest that it's uh, actually happening. So I've been told that some facilities have offered physicians money to actually send them patients. If that's happening, uh, that's uh, the extreme end of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was thinking back to my first, because I had several independent medical examinations, three, but the first one, uh, the one that that was ultimately the, the decision on what kind of treatment I would I would be receiving, the physician ended up saying that I would be that either inpatient treatment in Ontario or outpatient treatment from from home were were equally reasonable options. I think something like that was the way she worded it, and. So when I read that document, I was kind of, I thought, okay, well, there's an open, open door there for me to, to do outpatient treatment to, to stay home. And that decision ultimately fell on the insurance company. It was an individual I had met over the phone, I think maybe twice before, and he was nice to me. We had a, a reasonable um, relationship over the phone and he ultimately said, you know what? I think Corey, I think you'd be fine to do, uh, to do outpatient, which met my needs just fine, yeah. but I also know that that was saving the insurance company like a phenomenal amount of money by, by agreeing to. That's $40,000. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah so again, and, and, <laughs> uh, and I think it, it, again, it worked out really well. It was a program that worked for me. And I know that you and I both know into other individuals that it has worked nicely for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't say that with, with a, any kind of tone of complaining, but no. it's just interesting that that, that that decision fell on someone who I'd only talked to twice over the phone, who was working directly now for the insurance company, who had a supervisor who had probably has had conversations with him about, you know, making sure that you're keeping costs down for the company, so to speak. And there seems like there's a problem there. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a big problem. Uh, I didn't know that, Corey. That's uh I don't understand how that's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it, these people have no medical training. What what on earth would, even if the physician left it as both, you know, it left that question open. Yeah, that's that's a real strange one because, you know, you look at the opposite of that and that could be a big problem for sure, right? Yeah. Say the the question is uh, about being sent to a, to one of the treatment centers that's actually somewhat beneficial, um, and that it, opportunity is taken away from the individual to save money, then that's a problem. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I, again, I think the fact that for me it was like um, I had my own life interests in mind, my family in mind, my son. <laughs> So it did work for me, but if it hadn't, yeah, it was someone who was, who didn't know me, who was making that decision. Now, just to go back to what you said, it was, I know for a fact, it was a, someone who was a nurse who then ended up working for the insurance company. Oh, so, um, so they did know a, something. <laughs> they did know something. And I think he was able to, him and I related to each other a little bit and maybe that oh, okay. was to, to my benefit, but most yeah. likely. Yeah. Yeah. If you could make a, an actual human connection with some of the people who are involved and it's, Man, it's hard to. At first, it seems like everything's okay, and that you know, you when you when you go in and you're completely ignorant of the of the machine, you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some help here, and and you're willing to open up to everybody, and you want to talk to everybody, and then once you realize what's happening, after that, it's very difficult to still find the humanity 
and uh, be kind to people who are part of the process because you're like, okay, who's screwing me next? Right. You know what? And, and maybe that's a great kind of point to come back around to that. If to kind of like share any, any wisdom of what has worked and what is not, I think that if you can do that, if you can be kind to those people who are sitting at the other end of the phone and (laughs) notoriously people who work for insurance companies and I'm not defending them, but notoriously they're treated like, like shit. And uh, they have people who are defensive and, 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 frustrated and angry on the other end of the phone from them. So I think to try to be kind or, or help people see the humanity in you and you're a human who's struggling and has needs and, and to relate however you can, I think it did work for me. I think it helped (laughs) helped me in a number of instances. As somebody who frequently, and I mean, on a almost daily basis deals with multiple insurance agencies, I can tell you that I've tried all sorts of different strategies and the one you're talking about is the way to go. Yeah. It takes, it takes energy. And I've had situations where I'm looking at the phone. I'm, you know, I'm seething, right. I'm, I'm just, I'm very angry at the insurance company as an entity, but I have to compartmentalize that now and talk to this person as a, as a human and be as kind as possible. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not doing that for altruistic reasons. Uh, most times I'm doing it because it's the most effective way to get results. Sure. I mean, you, you, you attract more flies with honey and <laughs> this is the, this goes pretty much is standard across the board. Totally. And man, it is hard to do sometimes. <laughs> there is, but I think there's something to be said for it. And in terms of making yourself be heard and having someone give you the time that you need to express yourself, you're going to get so much further if you do it with um, some understanding that they're just doing their job or that they are getting it from all sides as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's kind of the the golden rule if you're, Imagine if everybody tried to do that a little more, even, you know, right now it's, yeah, I think what I'm experiencing anyways, from as I see a a lot of people, especially uh, because of what we we just went through as a society and culture, the shift to people working at home. So, you know, they're, they're trying to juggle their, their kids and they're, uh, Mm -hmm. they're on the phone trying to deal with this, uh, you know, whatever work stuff they've been yelled at 47 times that day. And uh, just giving that person a, a little bit of a break can mean so much to them. And it just, I don't know, it's, it's definitely something that needs to be considered. <laughs> you, you did not uh, accidentally change podcasts, folks. You were hearing us talking about being empathetic and kind to your insurance rep. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. But yeah, the I believe that many times with clients that I've had in Obsidian and probably many times, you know, over the years in the province, relapses have occurred mainly because of this pushback early. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the, the two things we would want is we would want to increase awareness that uh, there is some pressure going, uh, you're going to be pressured to go back to work. 
even mm -hmm. if you might not be ready, but you're still going to get pressured. So be aware of that and be aware that you're allowed to say, I'm not ready. So that would be one thing that we can do on, on our end. Absolutely. And then um, on the other end, I think if I, I don't know what to do about the insurance companies other than uh, I, I'm, we know how to take care of them as, as far as, you know, getting the right paperwork in order so that they can't force you to go back. But mm -hmm. I'm not sure how, how that situation would be rectified uh, financially. So there's uh, maybe if, if somebody's got some ideas uh, on, on a, a, an approach that would work there, that would be, uh, that would be much really appreciated as well. Yeah. That's a really complicated one it, it is. to me. Like the um, payment of, of, all of the physicians and all of the professionals that are involved and how to do it in an equitable way where they're, you're keeping people as non-partial as can be um, and keeping the, the, the actual recipient, the, the healthcare worker, keeping their best interests in mind, doing all of that is, yeah, that's no small feat. I don't think. Not at all, but yeah. It's my belief that if we just tweaked some of these processes and made it so that we didn't have, I mean, say we could cut relapses by, let's say we could cut uh, the number of people who relapse twice by 50% and look at the money that you're, you're saving all those agencies, the, the treatment facility itself, that's a pretty good chunk of change. Uh, however long the, the person is off work on whoever's paying for that. Yep. If you take all that into account. The extension of the monitoring contract. Yes. Um, I think I think if you just kind of lined things up differently, you could probably end up sa uh, saving yourself some money by you know, taking a little more time in the beginning to make sure that that person is in the right frame of mind. Yeah. 